0: Not anyone but you. Hello, my loves, and thank you so much for joining me today on this special episode that I have with a very special guest of mine. Her name is Gia, and she is a mindful reparenting coach. And this episode, I think, is a really special one because there is so much work that needs to be done in terms of reparenting. And I feel so honored to have Gia here so that we can start talking about this topic. Gia, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast.
1: Thank you for having me here.
0: Yeah, I'm so excited. So, how did you get into this?
1: I got into it because of my personal story and I saw the dramatic changes that it had in my life and the relationships around me that I decided that I must <clears throat> I must spread the message. I must help others because, you know, we grew up being told that life is hard you have to work hard you you have to be satisfied with what you get and we dream about you know like the things that we want in our life and we're always told that it's a dream or it's a fantasy and that is not true
0: yeah (laughs) it's
1: just within your reach
0: I love that Now, you talked a little bit about your story. Would you mind sharing with us exactly, like, what sort of things you had to overcome when you had to kind of reparent yourself?
1: Yes, absolutely. So I grew up, I'm a daughter of an immigrant family. I'm the only child.
0: I'm sorry to interrupt, but for the people that cannot see her, you are Chinese, which I think matters quite a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It does. It
1: does. Um, I was born in China and I came to the United States when I was 11. I lived through quite a few traumas in my life, including the move. And my home was violent. There were verbal abuse, physical abuse, and psychological abuse, emotional neglect, all of these things. So I grew up in the States and I had no idea who I was Mm -hmm. like within myself I did but I didn't at the same time it was just so confusing so I left home after high school and I moved to New York City went to school there stayed there and just explored on my own and I really really hold lots of gratitude to that place (laughs) because if it wasn't for New York a large part of me would probably still be not healed or not processed and whatnot Then I moved on to Europe, and then I got married, and my marriage broke, and I came back to California decades after with a daughter, and by the time I came back, I had nothing left, and I moved back into my parents' house, which is the exact place that I have been running away from, avoiding. That's what
0: I was just thinking in my head. I was like, (laughs) and how did that feel to... Be in a position to have to go back there, knowing the environment that it was.
1: Fear, a lot of resistance, feeling that I have failed. And, you know, I did everything I could to avoid coming back to this house. But I had nowhere else to go. And I had a child that I need to support. So, you know, I was forced to take up more responsibilities. And at that time, I was pretty much like a shell. I remember coming back to my parents' house and going through my old boxes, um, you know, stuff from high school and things like yeah. this. And I saw some old photos of me and I couldn't even recognize the person in the photo because there was nothing left in me. So that started my journey of healing myself. And I had no idea <laughs> what's involved.
0: I don't think you know? anyone does. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> When people just go in and they're like uh okay i'm just gonna work on me i'm gonna do me i'm gonna just heal myself like it's not cute it's not pretty it's ugly yeah yeah
1: it's ugly it's hard it takes a lot of discipline but it's also really 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 rewarding if someone says parenting is rewarding self-healing is very very rewarding Because that's when you realize that you actually have so much power in yourself, that you are the only person that can do all this work to heal yourself. Everything, Mm -hmm. all the help you're seeking outside, it's just a guidance. But if you don't do the work, none of those things will work, right?
0: Yeah. So we talked about it being ugly. How was it ugly for you?
1: This is a very important part of my realizations is that Um, We, each one of us is responsible for something, which is called co-creation. We all play a part into the dynamics of our relationships. It's not, I'm a good person. That person is a bad person. Mm -mm. Um, He's a narcissist. I'm an empath. No, (laughs) there's no such thing. It's empath, you know, is also narcissistic in their own way. And, you know, there's this like codependency and this kind of like being a victim that is part of playing that role. So when I understood that, it changed everything for me. So at the beginning, of course, I was just, you know, reading and listening to podcasts and doing whatever I can. And I looked down on my parents. I despised them. I've always despised them because I resented them because of my childhood. And then I looked down on them. I thought I was better because I was doing the work, you know, and they're not. So I'm Mm -hmm. like, I know something you don't. I'm better than you, this kind of stuff. But then when I understood the co-creation part, that lifted everything up and I was able to release All the resentment that I have been holding for decades, because I was able to see them as human beings, not perpetrators, that to understand that they are the way they are is because they were parented that way. Mm -hmm. They had lived through horrible experiences during their childhood that caused them to have certain triggers and reactions and this and that which you know and how i i understood how i played into the dynamic of our relationship i'm just using my parents and me as an example but you know i played the victim every time how i always you know said bad things like my dad this my mom this my dad that but by playing a victim i was already playing a role that you know creates this cause and, and effect yes. co-creating this never ending dynamic. Yeah. Um, Until you realize that, until I realized that I was able to stop co-creating, take responsibility for my own actions. And, you know, once somebody stops playing that role, then the entire, you know, the pathways is going to change.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that because I think it's really important for us to understand that Why we're talking about this. We're talking about this because the way that you interact with your parents is the same energy you're going to bring to your romantic relationships, right? So in your Chinese household, right, and you were being told what probably what to say, what to do right? How to be perfect and all of this other stuff. I guess the book of Tiger Mom is (laughs) real, very, very fucking real. It's real. Uh, It's very real that you're going to bring that energy to your romantic relationships, right? And if you're used to this approval of your parents and needing that or used to having that, that's also going to play a part in the way that you're interacting with the men or women that you're dating or connecting or co-creating with. First, I think we need to like just go back to the basics and really just talk about what does reparenting mean exactly?
1: We have many different parts of ourselves, actually. We have the inner critic. We have, you know, that critical voice that comes in whenever you want to do something. That's a part of ourselves that is not us. It's things that we learned while growing up. And we have our inner child, which is all the wounds, the pains, and the traumas that we experienced during our childhood. And the inner child is created when, as a child, we are forced to be something that we're not. We are imposed upon, molded into whether it's parental or societal or cultural, yes. all of these things, then you know that feeling, that unbearableness, the pain of not being able to be who you truly, truly are, it becomes this gaping wound that as you grow, whenever something happens that can trigger, trigger that old memory to enter your mind again, that's what the inner child is.
0: I want to break it back down because I think that there are some individuals that may not know exactly what reparenting and reparenting yourself specifically means. So what is reparenting?
1: Reparenting is looking at the way how you embody your energy, the whole all parts of yourself, how you bringing yourself into an environment, whether if it's just an environment or whether it's a relationship with someone, and you look into it, how you bring yourself into that environment? How are your being influencing or affecting another? Yeah. And you know, you want to see if you're being present, or if it's hurting others, or you're not happy and all of these things. And if you can be aware and mindful of which part of you is on the control panel, Yeah, you know, operating your adult body, um, then you are more able to take a step back and respond in a better way.
0: Yeah, so I know that previously you were talking about this inner voice and then I guess the little kid that is listening to it, it feels like that inner voice is almost a way in which that we can reparent ourselves by kind of changing what that voice looks like. It's interesting because when I talk to my clients, they're the ones that are often saying this is what I'm thinking. And I'm like, I've been talking to you for five months. It doesn't sound like you. So whose voice is that? And oftentimes that inner voice is either my mom or my dad that I've taken on as myself, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think also reparenting is about taking, as you said, that control panel back and taking control of that voice and talking to ourselves a little bit differently. I don't think it's like, I'm going to change some of the thoughts that unintentionally come in. It's about being able to step back and understand, are those really my thoughts? Yes,
1: (laughs) Being aware of which part is you and which part is not. And yeah. when you're deep into the reparenting work, you are able to recognize this is not me. So I'm yeah. going to take a step back, take a breather, and I'm going to respond from my essence, yeah. from who I truly am. And that takes practice. And you actually can create a dialogue. You can actually connect and build relationship and have conversations with those parts
0: of you. Yeah. So it's interesting because a lot of people out there that are listening, I don't even think that they may not know how to tap into their inner child, right? I think for a lot of us, it's scary, right? We don't want to go there. It means a lot of shit that I'm going to have to dig through that I don't want to. I'm successful. (laughs) I have a great car, a great home. I have a lovely dog on my side. And... I don't wanna have to go through all of that. It feels like so much. How can we tap into that inner child, that little girl inside, right? Are there ways in which it may not feel as intense or as scary?
1: The best thing to do is when you're starting out learning how to do inner child work, it's best to work with someone who can support you and who can create a safe container for you, that you feel that you're safe and you're protected because it's a lot of pain and it's very, very, very scary. Thank and you. we have more than one inner child. I would say inner children because. Say experienced- more,
0: girl. Say more. What is this, <laughs> girl? No, you got me sitting up, girl. Say more. Say more.
1: Well, you can have, you know, the little six year old and then the 10 year old and then the yeah. teen. You know, like there are just so many and every traumatic experience you have gets split into one part. So there could be many, many, many different parts depending on, you know, how much trauma you have lived through and how much that's left unprocessed. I've had clients that give their inner children names. Mm. They have different names. I typically have a lot of clients who have more than one inner children.
0: It's so interesting that you said that this work is so necessary to do in a very safe space and container. So in my program, six months, we do not touch anything as it relates to the inner child until month five, because the connection that I have with my clients needs to be so secure before we even get to that work. When I was first working, we would start to do a little bit of that work at the beginning and we were not getting to where we needed to get to, right? And so I totally agree with you that that needs to happen when there is true safety in the relationship with you and another person talking about those things. That's why I think sometimes people will go to therapy and the therapist might want to talk about that stuff pretty immediately. Mm-hmm. And there's so much more trust that needs to be engendered, right? So that the work is actually done in that surface level. So I think you're so right on when it comes to that. I think this reparenting and inner child work looks different for women of color or people of color. So can you speak more on that?
1: Yes, absolutely. As a daughter of an immigrant family, being Chinese, um, you know, and coming here when I was 11, I had to abandon what I knew before in order to survive here. And I feel like for a lot of um, immigrants or minority minorities, we, are living a life of survival,
0: yeah,
1: or at least you know that's what our parents have experienced. That's what their parents have experienced. Survival is in the lineage, um, and that's what they teach onto our children. I was told that, yeah. and and as long as you can survive. it's all good. You know, You you don't need you don't need anything else.
0: There's food on the table, you got a roof over your head, there's water to clean your body, you're good.
1: Yes, your essential needs are met. Nothing else matters. And so for us, we are emotional beings. Yes. And we have to process things. And if we don't get to process, then everything gets stored up inside in our bodies becomes you know a lot of pain and ptsd and it manifests out into our outer external environment and with minorities we also have this thing of like you know we have to work really hard much harder than an average american because your skin color is different i've been told that day one since i got here is that I am never going to be American. My skin color is Chinese, and that's how I will be seen. So don't ever even think about you fitting in, you know? Yeah, and so yeah. for me to fit in, I had to abandon everything I knew before. And so there's culture abandonment, yeah. there's betrayal, and there's a lot, of, a lot of abuse. There's substance abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abandonment, even though sometimes these things are not intentional. um, Like I held a lot of anger towards my parents because I was emotionally neglected.
0: Most of us are because guess what? (laughs) Both of our parents have to work
1: Exactly. or
0: we're growing up in a single parent household and that person has to work and they don't have the time to be truly with us. Not just in like actual time, but like emotional time as well. It's very, it's much more difficult. It's not impossible. It's very difficult (laughs) to be emotionally present for your children if you're in a single parent household and you're working and you're doing everything else. And so, and that's why I wanted to bring this up because most of us are probably dealing with emotional neglect and that is such an important thing to be aware of when you are starting to do this reparenting work, because I think a lot of people will be like, I don't need that. I'm good. Like, look at me now. I'm good. No girl. You're probably not good. And if you're already telling me that you're good, I know you're not good. <laughs> <laughs> 100%. <laughs> right? No, totally. So I just think you make such great points when it comes to really understanding all of the things that are surrounded around being someone of color and growing up in a minority household. I know for myself, we moved quite a bit. And so what that meant, similar to you, is that I had to shed different layers of skin every time I moved in different schools and finding new friends. And it's interesting because when that happens, even though you have to go out and make new friends, walls also come up too because in the back of your head to your point about survival I can't get too close to these people because I may go I may go next year I may go in two years so I'm not going to fully close to this person I'm not going to truly connect right with an individual in these relationships because I don't know if they're going to be secure and that's how growing up in such a household can affect the way that you relate to other people. I think you're so on the money when it comes to that. I know that that was the case for me, and I think sometimes is also the case. And it's interesting too, because what you'll see also when people of color start to get out on their own is that they're so used to moving, they always wanna move, even when, if it relates to travel right? That yeah. travel is also a representation of this habit that they've created to always move and always to be yes. doing something else. I think we see on like Instagram and maybe Facebook, oh, she's always traveling. She's always going somewhere. Yeah. I'm sure going to Bali is really cool. Love it. <laughs> um, but I also want to understand why she's doing that, right? Yes. And if it's coming from a habitual place, it's important. Yes. Yeah, and I don't think people really understand that this no. is what the inner child and the reparenting work is really all about, right?
1: Everything that we're doing in our adult life, if we don't do this work and integrate all the different parts of ourselves, we are operating by different parts of ourselves yeah. all the time. And this thing about traveling, I can tell you that this, this trauma of me moving to the United States when I was 11, um, I, the move was very sudden. I didn't have the opportunity or the space to process. And when I got here, I didn't know anything, anyone. I didn't speak the language. The culture is completely different from what I was used to. So I had to start over. And so I moved (laughs) a lot. I did that to myself. Whenever I would get close to someone, I'd just go, I'd leave. I moved to New York, I moved to Europe. I move back to the States, you know, yes. and I abandon friendships because I get too close. I'm like, oh, I need to pull back. And I had no idea I was doing any of this until, mm-hmm. you know, I did the parenting where I was like, oh, that's right. My inner child, that part mm-hmm. of me is afraid of getting hurt again. Yeah. So, you know, unconsciously, I'm doing all of these things without
0: realizing Same traveling things. Same, same. I think there's one point in my life where I had 10 different addresses in 10 years. (laughs) A mess, just a hot ass mess. (laughs) 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 Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, right? The similarities that we have, it doesn't matter if you're Black or Chinese. Like this is why it's like women of color will have a different experience. And that just means that this reparenting work is so important, right? For you to really kind of, know all of yourself. Yeah.
1: Yes. And one more thing about women of color. We are all victims of patriarchy. Yeah. But women of color really are victims of patriarchy. And, and, I- and how
0: does that affect the inner child? Or how do we understand that as we grow up? Right? I'm interested to get your thoughts on that. Because I yeah. think sometimes it gets ingrained, and we don't even know. And then we just start living our lives as if this is just how like this is, right? Versus n- not even having any sort of like thought process around it. What what are your experiences or thoughts around that? We
1: don't think when we're living, we're pretty much on autopilot. Yeah. Once we reach adulthood, we are on autopilot. We travel to fulfill a void. We look for partners who can reparent ourselves, right? Who can yeah. fill, fill a void. So when it comes to patriarchy is, you know, women of color, I mean, from my personal experience, My dad was the man of the house. He makes all the rules and we have to abide and we can't object. Um, And, you know, we're women and we have to do all the housework. Mm -hmm. Just this, this like the very basic stuff, but it just, it's so insidious. It seeps into everything that if you don't start asking questions, then you will continue to live like this. And if you don't start asking questions, you would have no idea there is a different way of being. There's a different way of living. And this also has to do with decolonization work. And this is an ongoing work because the the programming is so deep and it's gone on for generations and generations and generations that it's natural for us to be this way. We don't even ask. you know, We have no idea.
0: I'm so glad that you brought that up too, because just to add on top of that, because it is so hard for men of color in the world and society, what they will do is that they will have a smile on their face in the public and then bring all of their resentment and anger back home. And so as children, we have to actually absorb that, absorb it for ourselves and absorb it for our mothers. And That is really difficult to do. One, because the model is, because my dad is doing this, this is what love means. (laughs) So when I see love like that out there when I'm dating, that's going to look familiar to me. And I'm going to be attracted to that because that's what I saw at home.
1: Exactly. You always go for what you're familiar with is because that's what makes you safe. Even if you lived through abuse and your home was not a safe place, you will still seek that out because that is what you're used to. I've had and I still have not 100% healed, but I have issues with men because of my relationship with my father. Yes, You know, everyone
0: that's listening to this probably (laughs) is in the same boat and the host as well (laughs) yeah yeah but i'm so glad that you admitted that right because i think that more of us need to do that more of us need to acknowledge why we may have interesting relationships with men in general and connecting that to our fathers without this shame or stigma of having daddy issues Guess what? Everyone has daddy issues and everyone has mommy issues. Okay. Now that that's that's out of the way.
1: (laughs) Yes, this is the first thing that's very important is you have to be able to be kind and compassionate to yourself. Yeah. And the biggest step is to see and accept and understand that you have issues and where these issues come from and why they're here, and why you do things the way you do, why you react to things, you know, the way you react. You have to see it, you really have to see it and understand and accept that is a part of you. Yeah, It's not gonna go away, you know? All you can do is to manage it better. Yeah, and that's it.
0: I love that because I think that's really important. If you're not acknowledging it, you're not even in the game. You had mentioned earlier about triggers. And how that I think is a really good, interesting roadmap to our inner child or children. (laughs) (laughs) How
1: many children do you have? Girl, I don't
0: know. I was just thinking about it, girl. (laughs) I'm like, Maybe I've been neglecting a couple of children that I've had that I haven't really been able to really think about. Um, So I'm literally going to do a, a thought download of all of the different children. But I think this is actually a really good exercise that we all can do. Right. Like to literally, you know, start from five and six and go every four years. Because you're a different person every four years when you're a child. So like mm-hmm. 6, 10, 14, and 18. And understand what part of yourself really w- wasn't fulfilled. What needs did you have at that time that you had that were not fulfilled or something that you needed that wasn't able to be given to you, right? And that's, that could be a variety of different things.
1: So I mean, many.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, it's such a really great way to think about it. Because I Mm -hmm. think you hear inner child and you're like, okay, I think about what I am as a child, right? And I think most of us think about like anywhere from six to eight, six to eight, six to nine. We sometimes ignore the teenage years which I think are actually so important because that's when we're a little bit more conscious. And like, that's when the real resentment can start to come up and (laughs) exude out of our pores.
1: (laughs) So much anger in teenagers.
0: No, so I want to encourage everyone out there to do that exercise like I'm going to do. And if you feel like sharing it with me, please send it to Anwar at getyourguycoaching.com and we'll talk about it. (laughs) Yeah, so let's talk about uh, triggers. How are you thinking about them exactly? And how can we use them and maybe the way that our bodies react to our triggers to connect with our inner child?
1: Well, usually we see triggers are all other people, other circumstances, like this person triggered me, that person triggered me, or this thing happened today, it really triggered me. But actually there are no triggers on the outside. That's right. There are no triggers on the outside. Triggers is just it's an illusion. It's anything that happens on the outside, it's a mirror that reflects that primary wound that you have experienced and it causes a reaction from, you know, your inner child's unmet needs. And so usually for the inner child, the typical needs are who am I? Do you love me? Do you see me? Do I belong? Am I worthy? These five are typical, basic needs that causes all these wounds, you know, like emotional neglect, um, you know, not being hurt, not being seen, can't be who they really are throughout childhood and have to create this like totally different personality so that they can survive. So every time you feel triggered, you tune in with yourself and you ask yourself, what do you need?
0: Wait. Right. can you repeat those five again? Because I think it's so important for us. And I think it's a really great framework to think about something, if I'm being triggered, one of these questions, right, is actually needs to be answered in a more legitimate way. So could you repeat those five for us again?
1: Sure thing. Who am I? Do you love me? Or am I loved? Am I seen? Do I belong? Am I worthy?
0: Yeah. I love that. Amazing. Amazing. (laughs) I love it so much. (laughs) Uh, For for us coaches, we geek out on this kind of stuff all the time. (laughs) (laughs) New and different frameworks to think about things. Yes. Yes. I love it so much. It's So good. You know, we've talked a lot about the inner child, but girl, we're grown ass people now. (laughs) Right. So like, how can we integrate in a productive way, right? The inner child with our adult selves.
1: This is an ongoing work to integrate the inner child. First, you have to recognize the inner child and then to accept the inner child and to be accountable of the inner child. What does that mean? Being accountable with another child means um, you take back the responsibilities of changing your life, making changes in your life. Because what we do naturally is that we hold resentment and we think that we are being hurt. So we expect the other person to change, Mm. the circumstances to change, because we feel like we're entitled. But in reality is that the only thing that we can change is ourselves. Mm-hmm. And and the only thing that can make us change is ourselves. So without recognizing and accepting that ugly part, let's say ugly part of ourselves that we've mm-hmm. been hiding for so yeah. long, you know, we will not do this work. We have to accept that part first.
0: Yeah, it's so important. Now, do you have any exercises that we can do that will help us in this work?
1: a lot of self-love so whenever you feel low whether you know anytime during the day or you can do this daily weekly whatever um, if your inner critic gets in or you're just being cruel to yourself because we all know that we can be very cruel to ourselves you take a breath and you sit down and you ask yourself what are the three things that you did today that you're pleased with and how do you plan to celebrate them and make an act to celebrate them?
0: So when we are, let's say, in our, in our heads, right? Maybe even spiraling. What you're saying is to really kind of reframe it and to think about some of the things that you said you either accomplished or you're happy about, right? Yes. And then think about ways of celebrating them and then actually celebrate them. Yes. Can you give examples of like how we can celebrate like things that we're proud of? I know it seems like a, a simple question, but I'm saying this because I know my clients and I have to force them to celebrate their accomplishments. Everything is like on the to-do list and they just check it off and go to the next, right? That's and the so, thing.
1: Yeah. That's what yeah. we're taught to do. We are also victims of capitalism. Yeah. Um. So-
0: And just FYI, if you haven't noticed- my girl is in the bay area so yes capitalism yes decolonization yes patriarchy so <laughs> you are wearing your bay area quite well and I'm i so am proud. very
1: yeah it's very potent here yes
0: yes yes as someone that was formerly in the bay area i am feeling at home thank
1: you for this <laughs> We yeah, we're not very good at so- taking care of ourselves and celebrating mm-hmm. ourselves. And it could be something really really small like um for example, last week I had an appointment and it didn't went very well, right? So it didn't go very well and immediately I was really focused on that. Like oh, I didn't do so good oh I suck and you know all these cruel things I can say to myself and yeah. before you know it you're like I'm like limping around and feeling really hopeless and mm. feeling low about myself but then you know I decided no this is bullshit excuse my language but no I'm tell it it like is girl I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna think about other things that I did You know, how about I am preparing to be on this podcast? I just got invited on, you know, and I just got a new client. I just finished doing my monthly offerings. It could be something really, really small. And then say, how do you want to celebrate that, Gia? You know, you can do anything you want. You can go out for a nice walk. Those of you who like to take walks, you can treat yourself to a delicious meal. Or a Um, dessert
0: too. I love candy and ice cream.
1: Yeah, go for it. Candy and ice cream. I'm a chocolate kind of girl. Okay. You know, chocolate.
0: (laughs) Girl, stay away from me, girl.
1: (laughs) Buy yourself something nice. Yes. Buy yourself something nice. Take a nice bath. You know, book a trip for yourself. Go away for a day, two days. Yeah. You are allowed. Treat
0: yourself. Treat yourself. In any way you
1: want. And, you know, you also want to ask your inner children, like, what can I give you? Mm. Indulge yourself. Indulge yourself. It's the most important. We're so good at indulging others, but we have no idea how to indulge ourselves. So the most important thing I want to say to everyone is that you turn all the love that you're pouring out to the outside and to another, you turn all of that love inside yeah Self,
0: I love this so much because I think sometimes we can get stuck and trying to treat ourselves as adults and the things that actually will let our souls rise is being able to treat our inner child or children yeah. right Absolutely. yeah yeah I love that so much and if you're having issues trying to think about that think about the things that you love to do between the ages of eight and 12. And I asked this question of so many women and clients of mine, and you have two or three things that you already know, right? When I say that, what you love to do and find a way to represent that today, right? Yes,
1: and what have you always wanted to do but you haven't gotten a chance to yeah. for whatever reason? Like, you know, I really want to try this but I was told that I would never, you know like a lot of these things, do it. Yeah. No shame, no guilt, just have fun. You are here, we're all here having fun. Life is fun.
0: I love it. Like there's Uh, no
1: need to take anything so seriously. Yeah,
0: so true. So usually when I have my guests on, I ask them how they got their guy. But in this episode, I want to ask you how you got your inner child. What were those things that were super, super critical for you to really tap into her?
1: I learned how to love her. I listened. I really learned to listen. I listened to her pain. I listened to her stories and I always told her that I'm here. I showed her my presence and I showed her my non-judgment. Anything that she wanted to express, and this is important, is that The inner child, you know, your inner children might want to say a lot of things, a lot of things to say, and none of them are really pleasant, to be honest. Um, Let them have the floor.
0: Yeah.
1: Maybe it's going to last for an hour. Maybe it's going to last for a couple of days. Maybe it's going to last for a week. Let them have the floor. Non-judgment. You might move through your day a little bit harder, but it's just how it is. Like I learned to give my inner children the space to be who they are and thus I created a trust with them. And so we are, you know, we're still deepening our relationship.
0: Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for that. Now for my listeners who want to learn more about how they can truly reparent themselves, how can they connect with you?
1: Well, they can contact me at Gia. That's J I A at consciously be dot life.
0: Okay, girl. <laughs> consciously be as in the letter or B E E? B E. Oh, B as in we are, B yeah. to be. Okay. Yeah. So That's Gia it. at consciously be dot life.
1: Life, L I F E.
0: Oh, my God. Consciously be life, girl. I love it.
1: Yes. And also starting next month, um, every second Tuesday, I'm offering a guided meet your inner child journey. Um, it's going to be online. And I will be there to hold space for whoever is interested in meeting and connecting with their inner children.
0: I love that so much. We will have that link in the show notes so that you can connect onto it. And just Have a sacred, safe space for your inner child or children. I am so happy that you're offering that, Gia. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so Mm. grateful for you and your work and you spending the time with us to talk much deeper about this work than is normally talked about. I'm so appreciative.
1: Thank you. It's been an honor.
0: Thank you. All right, my loves. This shit was real. (laughs) It is very real and it is very necessary. And I just want to say that if you're really serious about getting clarity around your love life and relationship, you can't skip this part. You have to actually feel through this. It is so important that you do that so that you can not just have a relationship because you can get one tomorrow. This is about finding someone and being someone who can be in a healthy, long-lasting, communicative, safe relationship. And if that is something that you want, I want to encourage you to reach out to Gia or reach out to myself as it relates to your love life so that you can start to have a metamorphosis right, of the way that you are going to show up in the world and how you are going to consciously be life. <laughs> All right, my loves. I talk to you soon. Love, love, love you. Bye. Bye. Hey, girl. Thank you so much for listening to the Get Your Guy Coaching podcast. If you like this episode and want to talk with me personally, please book a free consultation at www.getyourguycoaching.com slash apply or Subscribe and leave me a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Talk soon!